Hello, ladies. The Big Balboski here. And right now, you're listening to the Matt Madness Podcast. They talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness. They talking all of this. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Ron Pashery, and with me this week, at least for the time being, is my good friend, Mr. Wednesday Night Live. We call him Alo. The ladies call him Balo. Aaron Lloyd. Possibly we are doing a two-man power trip. Possibly we will have another co-host or two by the end of the show i guess we'll find out uh you guys will find out when we do uh we have the wwe hell in a cell pay-per-view to discuss uh we have the smackdown on fox uh premiere to discuss a little bit we obviously have aew to discuss uh and once again total divas to discuss yes Uh, But before we get into all that, please subscribe on iTunes. Please leave a five-star rating and review. Uh, Alo, do you want to talk about Hell in a Cell first, or do you want to kind of jump into the first episode of SmackDown on Fox? Uh, We can do Hell in a Cell first. Okay. So I guess before we get into that, Alo, do we have a rating system? Yeah, Howard, come on in. I got a lot to say. Come on. Come on. The following podcast has a rating system in place. If it's a horrible show, it gets a jobber. If the show falls somewhere in the middle, it gets a slobber knocker. And if it is an amazing show, it gets the rating of ratings. It will get... Who show stopper? Thank you, Howard. <laughs> um, all right, Alo, you want to go first with your rating? Yeah, I'm gonna go first. So I'm gonna give Hell in a Cell. I don't want to give it a jobber because I think for something that's got thrown together, I thought it was actually pretty good. So I'll give it a low slobber knocker. Now, like I said, I think what, what they did to throw stuff together was actually like pretty good like i liked mustafa i like ali with randy Orton. now i found myself really invested in the women's tag team title match i'm not sure did you see that i didn't know okay so basically they were basically telling the story about how the kabuki how oscar and Kyrie Sane were like dominant at one point and they never actually got their chance to shine basically throughout the entire match and i'm, I'm, I'm not sure if you saw but oscar even brought back the green mist I did. So I, I okay. did see clips of it on on uh, like scrolling through social media. So that's kind of why I didn't watch it because it was like I got the gist of of what they did. And as someone who didn't watch the match, and as someone who's like disappointed with the way the two of them have been handled uh, since they put them together, I was like, okay, like they did like a tribute to a, a previous Japanese wrestler. Like they now have an accolade together. I was like, that kind of was like a, a cool thing that they did. 
Yeah, and after the match, they talked about how the the Japanese heritage of the mist and stuff. But I really did find myself enjoying that match with Asuka and Kyrie Sane working as the heels in that match. Um, I thought Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan against Rowan and Harper. I thought that was really fun. I think Sasha and, and Becky in, inside Hell in a Cell was excellent. That's that's probably a, ma- a women's match of the year contender for me. Now, the elephant in the room <laughs> is the main event, of course. Now. Well, to me, the main event was on first. <laughs> of course. Well, the, sh- <laughs> the, the last match on the card. Yes. <laughs> because that was my main event, too. Yeah. But the last match on the card. So, everybody, like, the people in the arena, their reaction was valid because they can't hear what the referee was saying saying to Seth in the ring. So, that, so like, their reaction is valid, but the match was the match was the match ended because of stoppage, because basically he couldn't defend himself or whatever. But one of my favorite things after the match was on Instagram. How I forgot this account, but he kept posting <laughs> all the every time somebody fell off the cage or got thrown on top of the cage and said stoppage. Right, <laughs> the caption. right. Like all the times a, a match probably could have been stopped and won. Yes, yeah. So like, so like, I, I think that. If this wasn't inside the one cell, one second we have we have somebody joining us. Hold on one second. Okay. Not who I see. Prep you there. It's it's your boy. <laughs> Our I'm boy Elroy, drinking. welcome to the show. We were just uh, Alo is giving his uh, review of Hell in a Cell. Show. You what? I love EW show. <laughs> yeah, so, like, if this wasn't inside the cage, fine. But it was just like the like, like really, <laughs> like, like, like re- really, <laughs> like that, that's what you come up with, and then all the reports come out saying it was a Vince call after the match, and then that. Fucked up Raw the next night because the reason Raw sucked, I didn't even watch Raw because like I was scrolling through the clips. I'm like, there's nothing here. Even on Instagram, there's nothing here. They, WWE and Vince, they react. They're, they had to react and change Raw because you can't send Seth Rollins out there after that. You can't send Bray Wyatt out there after that, even though Bray did a dark segment with Cesaro. You can't send them out there after that. You, you just can't. They, they, they reacted to the response from... Sunday night, and I thought I loved where the match was actually going too. I really was like Seth took out all his, he took out all the stops to try to beat Bray Wyatt. He kept kicking out. I, of course, I think the whole two box thing was hokey and stuff, but <laughs> I liked where it was actually going. But I honestly, would um, the drafts this week, I got some info about the draft. I'll talk about later, but I honestly wouldn't be shocked if they just dropped this whole Seth. And Bray thing after that, but just because of that. So like, not only did they not make you need to tune in on Monday night, they made it so they couldn't put these two guys on Raw on Monday night. You can't, you can't. <laughs> like, what are you gonna do? Like, there were AEW chants. There were we want refund chants, and then the reaction on social media. It was the wrong call. But like I said, I think the smart thing to do is just drop this whole thing because I understand the whole thing of. The world moves too fast to care and they'll forget. But nobody's going to forget that if you continue this feud. So 
I wouldn't be shocked if you see Seth or Bray end up on a different brand so this doesn't even have to continue. <laughs> Prep, do you have a rating for the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view? Yes. Now, your audio is cutting in and out. No audio, Prep. Due to some technical difficulties. <laughs> yes, we have a hot tag due to some technical difficulties. Josh Prepagina was in there and right out of there, but... In the meantime, we are now joined by Ek to Fly, Eric Trembicki. Ek, welcome to the show. Hello, boys. Uh, it is good to see you. It is good to hear you. And Alo just gave his rating for the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. What is your rating for the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view? Will Baylor give a five-star classic? <laughs> he gave it a low slobber knocker. It was the shits. I gave it a jobber. Okay, fair enough. Do you have any, like, thoughts, or you just want to give it the jobber and let me give my rating? Um, there, I mean, if you want to be, like, overly fanboy, yeah, like, there was cool things that happened. There were some okay matches. Uh, the show, in my opinion, the matches were overly predictable, and when the ending is really bad, it's the last thing you remember. The show is the shits. Right, just leaves you with a bad taste in your mouth. yeah. Uh, so I, well, I, I don't typically watch these things live anymore. I'll usually go back on a Monday or Tuesday and watch them so I could fast forward through some stuff. I feel like I don't need to see. Um, but I actually, when the show ended, I watched the two matches that I cared about, like right after the show ended, I'm going to give it a Trump. <laughs> the rare reason, yes the rare trump reason being they did not put enough effort into this show by like going into the weekend with three matches scheduled to me like they dropped the ball with that like you did not have any matches scheduled you threw everything together and alo's point was they did some good stuff with what they threw together but to me it's unforgivable to go into that show so unprepared well, remember last week that remember we talked about last week how Hell in a Cell was third on their their priority list because they had the, the Fox on SmackDown, and then they had the season premiere of Raw. So Hell in a Cell was third on their priority list. Oh yeah, it was. So, now I don't know if this was mentioned due to the hot tag, but I do want to give my honest opinion. If I I said this last week or not, I actually was pretty damn optimistic because. I, I was really thinking they were going to deliver on this show. I thought maybe like people were constantly going to be complaining online. There's no matches like advertised, no matches advertised. I saw a couple of people like, oh yeah, like people are complaining about the no matches advertised. But if they advertise the same matches you get on Raw and SmackDown, everyone would complain about that. So we got the same matches we see on Raw and SmackDown, <laughs> and it wasn't very exciting. Like if they did, if they could have threw something more out there and gave me like something I didn't expect. And if there was like a real thrilling, like event or result that I don't know, changed the landscape, but there wasn't. So that's why it gets the rating. It gets, I thought it was one of those things like WWE for the last year and a half, two years, they've done a great job where in my opinion, when you have the least hopes for them, they over deliver. So I'm thinking like with you don't just have lease hopes. We, we really don't even know what they're going to give right. us. I we thought, don't even know I what thought, the show is. Yeah, I thought they were going to cut the lights off and do something decent. But 
they fooled me. They did. They swerved you in the wrong way. Typical. Uh, so the first thing I'll mention uh, is the opening match, Sasha versus Becky and Hell in a Cell, I thought was excellent. Uh, I thought that match, clearly the match of the night. I was just um, going to say, match of the night, is that safe to say? Yeah. It Honestly, one of my favorite matches of the year, too, because I felt like we've seen how many Hell in a Cell matches now. Like, we get, like, two of them every year. I thought they did a really good job of doing some creative things in the cell. I thought they used weapons in a creative way. And I truly, like, didn't know who was going to win that match. And I feel like it's rare that I feel that way. Also, I think the result, to me, it really cemented maybe more than anything else. Like, Becky Lynch is... Someone they look at the is man? like, this is one of our stars. She is the man because we talked about this on the show for the last month and a half, that Becky shouldn't lose the title unless there's a big deal in her losing it. And we all agreed that that big deal would be Sasha Banks coming back from her hiatus and winning it. And if she didn't win it here, like to me, that really cemented like Becky is someone they're truly building around. And that kind of was... Uh, like maybe we should have known that based on the fact of where she was placed on the uh, the SmackDown on Fox show. But I thought that match was excellent. I really enjoyed it. I thought both women did an amazing job. The only other match I watched was the the final match, the Fiend and Seth. So Alo, I know you said you were like on board with where they were taking the match, like with Seth like losing his mind and throwing everything at him and and not getting there. I didn't have a problem so much with the non-finish because I think we even have talked about the idea of a non-finish the last few weeks. I think the problem I had, at least initially when I was watching it, was you've built the fiend up all this time. You've spent all this time and energy on him. He's got this mystique. Everybody's all about it. Why did we basically watch him get his ass kicked for pretty much almost the whole thing? And, like, why was there, like, eight straight minutes of him just getting destroyed? So that was where, like, I had a bad taste in my mouth. And then I texted you guys because I wanted to to get this thought out there before anything was said on Raw that week. The idea of if the story they're telling is, like, Bray didn't care about winning, or the Fiend didn't care about winning. The Fiend didn't care about being champion. The Fiend just wants to make everybody like Bray like clearly Bray has gotten pulled into something by the fiend or by some part of himself and the fiend wants to do that to everyone else and maybe this was that happening to Seth that could be the story they're telling which I'd be behind uh Alo what did you uh what did you want to say well the way I interpreted it was the fact that now there was some good out of this because you kind of you kind of got like Bray well the fiend having like layers to him you know Seth is basically doing everything he can to get this guy down. And sometimes he didn't even get a one count out of the stuff that he was doing. Now, like I said, if this wasn't in the cage, then I think the reaction would be a lot different. And also Eric wasn't here when I also, Eric wasn't here when I said that the reaction to this match was so bad that they couldn't put either of these guys on raw. And at this point with that, bad tasty amount because you're not going to forget what happened if the story continues i personally think they should drop it after that after what happened this past sunday because it's like you're not going to forget at all what's what's going to happen but 
from what that match, from what what was going on in that match, they were setting up for a longer story of what of Seth basically like destroying the Fiend. It's like what you talked about with John Cena and Bray Wyatt before, how Bray was trying to get John Cena to go to that next level, and this was the same thing. But it's just the fact that who knows if we're even going to get this moving forward because of what happened. Yeah, if the, like if that's their if that was their plan, if that was their idea. I, I feel like they should continue to execute it because I do think people can turn around on it if they because I, I like I don't think people left that show on Sunday night or turned off WWE Network that night saying like I'm done with the fiend like I think people can separate that from like that was I think the if anything fiend they're more doing. behind them. Yeah, because they feel like he, like a lot of people, I'm sure, feel like he got screwed. Like you, you gave us something to get excited about, and then you, like, took it away from us so fast. Like I feel like a lot of people probably feel that way. Unfortunately, I, I feel like if people are done with anything, they're done with Seth. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. why he wasn't on Raw. Because I, I said it also top of the show. Hit, like you can't send Seth out there. That's why Raw was terrible. You can't. They had. They were basically probably scrambling what to do. You can't send him out there after what you did on Sunday. You can't. And I started to sour on Seth after he started all his, like, rah-rah, you're getting the best wrestling on the world here. Like, when he started doing that, I was like, come on, dude. Like, you know that's not true. And, like, while you are very good in the ring, like, you you know damn well that this is, like, what we're getting on Monday and Tuesday nights at the time was not the best wrestling in the world. It just wasn't. Uh is it too early to say he's like 2015 Roman territory almost? No, I think he's like he's maybe not quite that because I don't think he ever was like that big. But I like I that's what I was thinking when that when I finished watching that match was like, yo, they this feels like when we were at the Wells Fargo Center at the Rumble when he's out there with the Rock. Like that that is what it felt like to me. It wasn't And I don't know like, I don't know if it was just the fact that everyone wanted to see him just destroy Seth. Like, I don't know what it was that... Because it wasn't like I felt bad about it the whole match. Because, like, even a lot of people didn't like the red lighting. I loved it. I loved it. I thought I it was that. like... You, you guys know I talk a lot about, like, I like for things to look different. I like to I like you to try new things. Like, don't always present me the same thing over and over again. Try to give me something different. So like, And I liked it. I thought it gave it, like, a different look to it a different feel to it. It it was almost like like the fiend had taken over the whole arena. Like that's yeah, like, kind of what it felt like to me. It having that dark cloud over the match. I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was really good and not to mention like you you, you guys talked a couple weeks ago about how you couldn't see through the red cage anyway. So like who the hell cares? Like why not? It's not <laughs> like you were getting the best view anyway. I thought it complimented the red cage if anything. Yeah, like I I thought that was a really good choice. I I really enjoyed that. And for a good chunk of the match, I liked what where it was going. But I, similar to what I said when he had the match with Finn, and it bothered me that Finn, like, knocked him down at one point. And I was like, I don't think he should be getting knocked down by Finn Balor in that match yet. Like, I don't, I think that's something that shouldn't happen yet. I didn't like how much of it Seth was getting the better of him. But again, like, we could come to find out that that's the story they're telling is that he didn't even care about winning. He just wanted to, like, bring the worst out of Seth, which, like, maybe he did. And maybe we'll get some some payoff on that next week. Uh, 
but yeah, like it was, it was like I was cringing watching that show go off the air, and I honestly I felt bad for both guys. Oh yeah, like Bray apparently got injured in the match. Seth, like, even though I said this annoyed me, like that is a guy who definitely takes pride in what he does, and I know he tries his best to be like really good at what he does. I just felt bad that like these two guys had to walk out of there with everyone, like everyone's hatred just being poured upon them. Uh, you know, you know, Seth wanted to cry when he heard the AEW chance. Yeah, I, I'm sure like almost everybody involved did. Now there is like the sick part of me that like hates hates them so much that I like obviously I was smiling at that aspect of it. Like, <laughs> like you deserve, and honestly, they deserved it. You deserve it. Yeah, they did deserve it. Like, they slapped together a show at the last minute. And I definitely get that it was, like, the third on their list of priorities. But, like, if you are this amazing entertainment company that is this world-class company, you should be able to handle three things at one time, especially when when one of them is a pay-per-view that was on your schedule for months and months in advance. You should have you should have done a better job being prepared for it. Uh now, before we, we move on to, like, other stuff, obviously, so Alo kind of told me earlier he didn't think there was anything on Raw that needed to be discussed. Eck, do you agree with that? Yes. Okay, so before we move on to anything else, was there anything else on the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view that was either worth watching or that was, like, salvageable of that show? Like, cause, like I said, I had the two things that I cared about. The fact that they put so little effort into that show, I was like, I'm not going out of my way to watch anything else. So, like, what else would there be? Like, did, did I miss anything, basically? Eck, I know what your answer is going to be. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I, I guess I have one WWE comment just mm-hmm. to get opinions. Aaron may be more opinionated on this, and I just... Is it? Uh, so we get the whole draft thing tomorrow on Friday. And we know these uh, sports entertainers got to be in character. Am, is it the only? Am I the only one that feels this a little odd? Um, Ziggler, it may be more of like a dot com exclusive or something. But they did an interview with Ziggler where they're asking him like where he wants to go or where he cares about going, and he hyped up like the first ever like WWE show on Fox and how it was cool to be a part of that. But shouldn't it? half of the raw tag team champions just be saying I'm going to raw because I'm the raw tag team champion. And at the same time, they're also, I feel like one of the shows they're not advertising that Becky Lynch is the raw women's champion. So she's going to raw. They're not saying that Charlotte's the SmackDown women's champion. So she's going to SmackDown. I, 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 you guys know me and these damn belts. I overthink (laughs) it all, but you love an accolade. is, Is it like, There's two things about it. I think it's one weird that they're not paying attention to where the belts are. But at the same time, like my haunted theory is like, are we is there a chance that they move people and then belts become vacated? Uh, I do like the sick, weird idea of we get the WWE and Universal Champion flipping shows. And then you have to change the color of the universal strap. But I mean, that's, I don't see them doing that. I I just, I I just don't get it. Like they're, they're treating, they're, they're treating this draft like it's more than it is. Well, go ahead. Are you done? Done. Okay. Well, I have the rules for you and how, how it's going to go down. So basically it starts tomorrow. So 
there's a pool of wrestlers available on Friday for for SmackDown. There's a pool available on Monday for Raw. So it's different people in these pools to pick from. So I'll just go through the, the big so names. both shows are not drafting from – it's not like all 71 superstars or whatever are available. It, they are available, but the thing is they're not available at one time. They're in different pools. So for so the, the major names for the Friday night SmackDown pool tomorrow night, uh, Ro, for Becky Lynch, Roman Reigns, the OC, Fiend Bray Wyatt, Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, Sasha Banks, Ricochet, Braun Strowman. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, uh, the tag champs revival and the Viking Raiders. Those are just the big names. And on Monday, so the OC is one as three. Well, you can you can draft groups because they're building it as like USA and Fox. So it's like you can yeah, draft supposedly like USA and Fox reps are the ones doing the drafting. Somewhat, something like that. But you, if you want somebody specifically from a group or a tag team, you could do that. If Olivia Benson isn't representing Raw, it's all trash. <laughs> and on Monday from the SVU? Pool is, <laughs> <laughs> and uh You alright, Pash? Yeah. All right, so <laughs> that one caught me off guard. <laughs> all right, so on the so the pool the draft pool for Monday is Seth Rollins, Brock Lesnar, Charlotte Flair, Titus O'Neil, Shinsuke Nakamura, with Sami Zayn, Alistair Black. New Day, Daniel Bryan, Baby, Luke Harper, Eric Rowan, The Miz, Ali, uh, Raw Tag Champions, Dolph Ziggler, and Bobby Roode, Women's Tag Team Champions, Kabuki Warriors. Those are just the big names. And so over 70 superstars as well as tag teams are eligible for selection in the year's draft. SmackDown will draft 30 superstars. Raw will select another 41. Since SmackDown's a two-hour show, Raw's a three-hour show. For every two-pick SmackDown makes, Raw will receive three, which was standard from last time and tag teams will count as one pick unless Fox or USA specifically wants only one superstar from that team and any undrafted superstars will immediately be declared as free agents and can join whatever show they want. Hmm. I'm like already so, annoyed about the draft. I'm annoyed. I'm, I'm annoyed. So uh, I'm going to harp on championships one last time. So when they brought these women tag belts, you were supposed to be on any show. So they never actually got defended or an NXT like the Boss Nug connection claimed they would. So will they get drafted to SmackDown, can go to NXT, but won't go to Raw? Will they get drafted to Raw, but can go to NXT, but won't go to the other? Uh, is that is this going to be like, hey, if you're the SmackDown Women's Champion, you can go everywhere? If you're what, the SmackDown Women's Champion? Yeah, this, I'm sorry, SmackDown. Ta- if, if you're the tag team women's champions. Oh well, that, that's all that stuff will be answered in due time. We don't. They're not going to tell us everything right from the jump. But I, I get your point. <coughs> also, I think they could say one thing now, and two months from now, they're doing whatever the hell they want again. Yeah, in a month, the Kabuki Warriors are going to be back in NXT, and those are going to be the NXT women tag belts. Yeah, I, I don't know. I really don't know like what to expect out of this. I, and the, the one thing I saw was they were gonna have like celebrity, a bunch of like Fox and uh, oh, it's so USA celebrity. It, it is pretty. It bad. is terrible. Olivia don't pull up. It's a waste. I tune in. I do not need to see Colin Jost and the other guy anymore on WWE television. It just clicked. I, I read the name. That's the damn Mo Dixon from uh, Mania. 
Yeah, I know it is. Colin Joe, Mike, uh, Colin Joseph, Michael Shea. Colin it's not Joe Colin made, Jost anymore. It's Colin Johansson. Yeah, Colin Johansson. <laughs> he may take the he may take the cake for the most corniest man in the world award for me. Yeah, she lost a lot of points with me for marrying that that clown. Yeah, because uh, but you know, but the corny guys always get the elite women. Scarlet. Yes. Oh wow, she's the shits now. <laughs> Yes. Um, uh, Troy Aikman, A-Rod. I'm like, who, why? <laughs> yeah, A-Rod. That's what we need. We need A-Rod on, on WWE now. Or, or, or the second A-Lo. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, all right, I guess we'll just move on from Hell in a Cell completely. I, I, to me, there's probably nothing else that really warranted being talked about. So we talked a little bit about the draft. We have not talked on the show yet about the premiere SmackDown episode on Fox. Uh, I actually did watch that one live. I told you guys I would because I said I'm just curious. Like, what a treat! Like, what's it going to feel like to watch this show? Like the first one on Fox, and I, one I'll give them credit. It felt like a big deal. It felt exciting for at least the first hour. Um, but about about an hour in. I was kind of losing steam. Like, yeah, I kind of remember why I don't like watching these shows live. What did you like? A law start with you. What did you think of the first, the first show on Fox? Well, as we talked about last week, when raw debuted, like the new stage and stuff, everything starts to feel a little different and the new camera angles. Um, I read something before SmackDown started, how they wanted like to, make finishers look special. So I'm not, I'm not sure if it was just me, but did it feel like the finishers went a little in slower motion or something like that? I might just be looking too much into yeah, that. I didn't notice that, but okay. But yeah, like, like after the first hour or so, like they brought, they brought out the rock and his, his interaction with Becky and Baron was, that was, that was, that was fun. And, um, but other than that, after the first hour, like you said, it just kind of becomes SmackDown again because you get used to the new surroundings. I thought Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon was excellent in the latter match. I thought that was a great match, really fun. But other than that, like you said, it's just, it's just SmackDown at the, end, at the end of the day. Yeah, And so, I, I, I don't need to see any boxers in wrestling. No, so I, I do have a comment about that. Shane O'Mac, hello. Uh, <laughs> Shane O'Mac just popped <coughs> up in an ex-apartment. Um, It'd be like that around here. <laughs> the opening segment I thought was great. Like, and so I definitely was not speaking positively about The Rock when he made his appearance at, uh, what was it, WrestleMania 31? 32? Two. I was not a big fan of it. And you guys know I'm not a big fan of them going back to the well for all of these Attitude Era stars or even older guys than that because I just feel like I don't need to see it anymore. But I, The Rock, for me has a lifetime pass because he be, he has become like the biggest star in the world. Uh, and so anytime you can get that guy on your show, do it because he will attract an audience. He will do something that you enjoy or that entertains you. And like he delivered. People were excited to see him. I thought it was cool to see Becky get to play off of him a little bit. But I will say... For as much as people hate Baron Corbin, I thought being in there with two, like one of the biggest stars of all time and arguably the biggest star in the company right now, Baron Corbin found a way to shine in that segment yes. as only King Corbin could. 
actually found myself defending him because uh, <laughs> uh, Sharik called me the other day. And the first thing she said, did you see SmackDown? She's like, I hate Baron Corbin. And I'm defending the guy. Like, I like him. She's, like, She's corny. She's like, I know he's corny, but that's what I like about him. Yeah, like that's the point. <laughs> like that, that's in, the gimmick. He's in on how bad he is. Yeah, he's fully embraced it. I Like, it was great. And like I said, he, you have The Rock, who is known for his, like, comedy and his one-liners. You have Becky, who is known for her comedy and her puns and her insults. And Baron Corbin came out with the line of the night when he – what was it that The Rock said? I don't remember what it was. Something about – oh, Becky – No, Becky calls herself the man. You don't see her coming out here with, with testicles. And she says, but if I did, they'd be bigger than yours. And Corbin says, my testicles are perfectly adequate. I thought that was such a great line. I laughed so hard. To me, it stole the segment. Uh, but I thought it was a great opening segment. It obviously got them the the interest and notoriety they would have been hoping for. Uh, and, yeah, the, the Shane O'Mac and KO ladder match I did think was great. Uh, and I thought it was, like, a good match to have on a night when you'd have a lot of eyes that haven't been watching in a while on the product. But, Alo, to your point about boxers, and this is kind of where – I started to really lose interest. First, you have Tyson Fury, and I see him. I'm like, oh, great. How long before Tyson Fury is beating Braun Strowman? Like, that was the first thing I thought. And then Cain Velasquez comes out. Eck, you threw that at me last week. Like, would I like all of this stuff if it led to Cain Velasquez coming in? And I said, only if Cain Velasquez actually gets to beat the shit out of Brock Lesnar again, which is not going to happen. So I hate when I'm right. The one thing I will say, I will give Brock credit for doing a very good job of looking scared and nervous when Kane came out. Like, I actually believe that he was like, oh, my God, I thought I was done with this guy. Like, he did a very good job in that moment. Uh, And Kane Velasquez is a guy I have a lot of respect for. He's a guy that I like a lot as a fighter. I think he's a great (laughs) fighter. And he definitely has a fan base. But, like, these guys are not Mike Tyson. Like, I know that they talk a lot about Mike Tyson turning the tide for them when they were losing to WCW every week. Mike Tyson was, like, one of the last true superstars. Like, mainstream, transcended his sport, was, like, one of the most famous, most intriguing people on the planet. Tyson Fury is not that, and Cain Velasquez is not that. If you guys think that that is going to get you more viewership, it will not. Uh... And not to mention, you are you don't have a product that when people who don't usually watch you tune in, they're not going to be like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm missing out on this. They're going to say like, okay, I got to watch Cain Velasquez do this thing, now I don't have to watch this anymore. Uh, so yeah, I don't need to see it. I, it's not going to have the effect that Vince or whoever thinks it's going to have. Uh, and to me, it just it kind of like took me out of it. Like... You could have been starting this new era, and instead you're just kind of doing the same old stuff. But it's, what they're doing is burying Braun just a little bit more. <laughs> well, do you, do you think the whole Kane thing? Well, we talked about this for months about how the Fox's Fox's partnership with the UFC, and they kind of want to put both together at times. I think that was more of a Fox call. But I gotta say, I loved the image of Rey Mysterio bringing Kane Velasquez <laughs> like to the playground. <laughs> I, I did love that. 
He's like, yeah, come on. Yes, yeah, him. Yeah, him. Come on. I'll enjoy that <laughs> aspect. But, yeah, I think it's more of a – that Cain Velasquez thing was a Fox thing. The Tyson Fury thing, I, I was just like, huh, really? <clears throat> yeah. Like the Cain the Velasquez thing, I definitely give them – I mean, I don't take anything away from them for that. Like I get why they did it. There's actually a story that makes sense. But, yeah, Tyson Fury, like most people don't even know who that guy is. Nope. Have never seen him fight. If they just showed him without putting his name up on the screen, they would have never been able to pick him out. Like, and could have thought it was Mojo Rally. Although I guess it's good that they're putting this stuff on a show that nobody, none of us are going to watch anyway. So <laughs> there's that. Oh, and they have the big press conference tomorrow uh, about it, as yeah. if this requires a big press conference. Yeah, let's get the, out of this country and go to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, <laughs> the report is that Cam is going to face Brock at Crown Jewel. Yeah. Uh, and I think this is AKA thing for Tyson the Mecca and, and Braun, I think I saw too. Uh, but I guess what I'll say is it was kind of cool for that first little bit to be like, Oh, I'm watching this. And I think like, this is, this is something that people are interested in and talking about and not just like the same 2 million people that are every week. Like it, it felt like an event that was a big deal and it felt like it meant something. And I'm pretty sure like, tomorrow night is not going to feel that way again. They got something like 3.8, 3.9 million viewers. I don't foresee them cracking 3.5 million again. They may not, may not even crack 3. Uh, if they do, it'll be like they'll just get over that bar. But, yeah, and then, of course, Kofi losing to Brock Lesnar in five seconds or whatever left a bad taste in my mouth, too. We all kind of knew it was going to happen. I just feel like Kofi deserved better than that. They could have done better than that. Mm-hmm. Why Why did Daniel Bryan give Brock Lesnar such a fight? Why did Seth Rollins destroy the Fiend when Kofi can't even last for 10 seconds against Brock Lesnar? Why yeah. did Kofi Kingston last longer against Brock Lesnar before he was a world champion? Yeah, when was that? I don't even remember that. At, uh, at that Beast in the East show in Japan oh, like four years right. ago. But the, my, my thing was, was, like, I don't think the locker room was happy about it because everybody was tweeting out these thank you Kofi chants. I mean, Kofi, thank you Kofi tweets. It's like, it's like, I understand. The it's locker written, room hates Brock. Like, I understand it's a written TV show, but it's like, dude, this guy carried his show for months. And this is how you treat him. This is how he goes out. Yeah, I liked it. Daniel Bryan had one of my favorite tweets. He said something about his, you know, losing his first world championship in seconds, and it made him hungrier. <laughs> ah, that is a good tweet um, and a good message. Yeah, it, it it rubbed me the wrong way, and as soon as it ended, I sat there kind of pissed off about it and being like, "Yep, like Exhibit A of why I don't really like watching this anymore," and it led me to YouTube to watch Cain Velasquez beat the shit out of Brock. <laughs> and then I followed that up. My my That was my main course. And then my dessert was watching Alistair Overeem destroy Brock as well. So, yeah, I, I guess that we don't really need to talk much more about SmackDown. Like, they got the buzz that they wanted out of that first week. I don't know if they get it the second week. Now... Definitely a large portion of the Fairweather fans and viewers that turned in, tuned in last week had to do with The Rock. I, 
I'm not all for when they, you know, bring back these pastimers, but it was extremely sleazy of them to advertise Austin Flair, Sting, Angle, and all these people literally just to have the camera pan to them while they're in the crowd. <laughs> these people will be in attendance. Hey, that, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it is kind of weird. And the Undertaker said he was told he wasn't needed, which, look, Mark, really wasn't. Mark, you weren't. You haven't been for a long time. <laughs> I don't know why nobody's told you that sooner. And I wasn't grilled to the screen, but like they advertised Sting, and I don't know if he was in the crowd. I'm assuming, but like they advertised Sting, and who's never been on SmackDown, and it's like even it, like Sting hasn't done like the Flair and Austin and Foley spot like once or twice a year, like everyone. So you haven't really seen him on TV in two, three years. So it actually would have been cool to see him on SmackDown, whether he would have just been doing a one-liner, actually evolved, and I, I didn't see him. Maybe he was in the crowd. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I think that was extremely sleazy. It was classless, the fact that they advertised those guys like that, and you actually didn't see him. Typical. Marketing 101. Yeah. Uh, so He didn't lie. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> last thing before we move on from WWE, obviously that Hell in a Cell match you know, went off the air to a lot of negativity, and re- WWE received a lot of negativity after the fact. And tonight, before we recorded, I was thinking about, like, that match and kind of thinking about the first Hell in a Cell and how that's my favorite match, why it's my favorite match. And I actually watched the untold story that WWE Network made about the first Hell in a Cell with... Sean with Mark and with Glenn all talking about like how all that came to be the mat, the feud, the match itself and the emergence of Kane. And it was actually a good like half hour, half hour show. And then it led me to actually watch the first Hell in a Cell. And it's amazing to me how that match went off the air to booze and to trash being thrown at DX as they left the arena. But, it was a very different time where it was like people didn't hate it because you took something away from me or you ruined something. People hated it because they were promised like the undertaker is going to finally get to have his way with Shawn Michaels. And then they had to see Shawn Michaels walk out of there victorious being dragged out by triple H in China. Two very different reasons for people to be upset. But I think it's funny that like that one, like ended to negativity and then this one ended to negativity and this one feels just so much more negative maybe because it's real negativity and not like kayfabe negativity or whatever kayfabe heat versus like wow this sucks heat yeah like one was one was a work and one is clearly a shoot uh but that match still holds up like to this day and it's a match i've probably seen 30 or 40 times and i watched it tonight and enjoyed it just as much as the first time. Uh, so the Wednesday Night that, Wars. Oh, that takes, be, before we leave the cell topic, just because you know, that match definitely does hold up. Uh, Aaron's probably going to be the one to give the best answer for this. But aside from King of the Ring 98 or whatever year it was and that, what's the third best Hell in the Cell? Like, well, I don't really. Do they, go ahead. No, you're good. No, I don't. <sighs> I never really considered King of the Ring 98 much of a match. <laughs> oh, it's the best. 
No, no, I've I've seen it, but it's just like it was just a beat, <laughs> like not much of a match going on. But the third, um, Armageddon two thousand. No, I, I I wouldn't pick that. That was a mess. Hmm. In retrospect, um, hmm, I would say Triple H and and Cactus. Oh, uh, Mike. Oh, okay. And uh, No Way Out two thousand. I'd pick that. And Triple H and Michaels have bad blood. That's a really yeah. good one too. Was Nash in one with Triple H? Yeah, and Bad Blood 03. How was that? Crap or I don't remember. I've only seen it maybe once or twice. But the trip the the one the next year in 04, I've watched that numerous times. See, Pash Stump Alo died some time ago. So sometimes you gotta sprinkle these questions in there <laughs> because we can't let all that knowledge go to waste. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Uh, I I don't even have a third. Like there's there aren't any other ones that I really remember other than those but first two. After what Aaron just spewed out, you're kind of thinking maybe I need to go tune in on one of them. The listeners at home are thinking the same thing, <laughs> or they're in their car thinking the same thing. Probably in their car, or on the treadmill, or on the stationary bike, or the train, possibly, um, or on their way to Florida. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, the, the Wednesday Night Wars this week, AEW versus NXT. Both shows had a drop-off in viewership. AEW down to 1.14 million, so still over a million. And NXT dropped to 790,000. So AEW <laughs> has won the first two weeks. Um, first thing I'll ask is more of like just a general question from you two. My feeling had been, like, what are they going to do to retain viewership or gain viewership and my concern last week was it was a very wrestling based show and my feeling was this is not going to keep like the the non-hardcore fan fully engaged uh but i guess the question i want to ask is do you think they care at all about truly engaging the mainstream or do you think their focus is solely on serving the like diehard hardcore fan i think they're looking for the diehard fan and a cross between of someone that is not into wwe's product so that's not really the mainstream per se so, I mean, I think they're there to spark the interest of someone that's not watching WWE while also catering to the fans that took them to the dance. Yeah, like I was watching it last night, and there was a certain point where I was like, people who don't love wrestling are not going to care about this. And then I was like, I'm looking at this through the wrong lens. Like, I don't think that's what they care about. Alo, what do you think? Um, I think they're trying to go after... Like like we always, like been saying for months, the laps fan, you know, somebody that wants something different and new. At, but at the same time, I do think they're trying to hit on the mainstream a little bit because, in order to succeed, as much as we crap on WWE for being for for being thirsty or whatever, <clears throat> that's just business. Like even when the debut show with Kevin Smith and and um, and what's his name, James. Jason. Jason Mewes was out where they were in the audience. They acknowledged them, you know, once celebrities and stuff, they start coming to these shows and stuff. They'll, they'll, of course they'll acknowledge them or whatever, but in order to see, you do, you do got to kind of got to cater to something mainstream. So I think they're catering to the laps fan 
at, at the most part, and some people that want different and are tired of WWE. But I do think slowly, in due time, they will start getting more mainstream. Yeah, like they had the the thing at uh, the Comic Con with Jericho yeah. and Cody and, and MJF, which I thought was was really good. It, it, they pulled it off really well, and like it obviously got them some attention at a time when they could use all the attention they can get. And I do think like the two shows they've put on have been good shows. Like I've enjoyed watching them. I felt excited watching them. You could feel the excitement in the arena. Uh, the tag match with Private Party and the Young Bucks I thought was like super entertaining. Yes. Um, like really entertaining. I just uh, what and how like how much mileage do you think they can get out of Jericho? Like, how long do you see him as the champion before they have to, like, crown someone else? I mean, I think there's two. I don't really think there's a wrong way to go with that. I I could see Cody winning the belt, and it makes sense. That's a feel-good moment. But, like, I think the mileage out of Jericho, I I could see him being the champion until April of next year. I mean, he definitely can still go. The weird thing for me is, like, so the inner circle thing. Obviously, Eck, I know you're not a big fan of the name inner circle. Are you? Uh, it, it could grow on me. Like, I didn't dismiss it immediately. Uh, you see the shirt? I did. Is it true you already ordered it? It is not true that I have ordered it. All right, good. Uh, that's not to say that did I the shirt order. make you like the name did the shirt make you, you like the name more yeah like I, when I heard inner circle I kind of was like inner circle what but as they say it more I know it could grow on me the interesting thing is like I don't really like guilty but same I don't like Jack Swagger obviously I talked about it at length last week I I don't know how this will be received when I say it I really don't like Sammy Guevara either <laughs> I don't either, but I think that's what makes it a good heel faction. Okay, but see, that's the thing. The reason I don't like him is because he he is, to a T, something I've talked about a lot. Somebody that I look at that, like, is like a dork that's trying to act cool. Like, that's how I look at him. The, him walking out, sticking his tongue out, and, and doing this with his leather <laughs> jacket. I'm like, come on. You don't, now, you don't like the sexy Spanish boy? No. So, so... <laughs> Without dropping too many names, Aaron, mm-hmm. <laughs> don't go nuts here. But so I don't like Sammy Guevara. I, I do think his look is creepy. But to like Jericho said this over and over with um, he's mentioned two people. He mentioned um, Jungle Boy and he mentioned someone else. I don't think it was Joey Janela, but maybe it was MJF. He talked about like good-looking young guys that AEW has and, like, how they need those people for, like, the young kids or young girls that watch the show to be like, wow, they're hot, blah, 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 blah. I'll just tell you what. I was at AEW Dynamite's first show live, and I re-watched it Monday. And a woman I was with thought Sammy Guevara was fucking gorgeous. <laughs> uh, I used to go with uh, a guy. Mr. McGee, I'm sorry for the F on, but I'm telling you, I, that to me is the last thing I'm suspecting. So, I mean, it, it's something good, at least for the product. Yeah, like I, I get why they do that, but I look at him and I'm like, it, he just like rubs me the wrong way. And not in a heel Same. way, just like I'm. Same. 
I don't I don't see it, but the cool thing for them at least is there are some people that do there's see a demographic it. that will see it. My favorite is did you see there they did like the uh they did the inner circle picture and it said every uh every family's family portrait and it said like it had the caption under Sammy Guevara, the um, nerdy youngest son. <laughs> yeah, like that's kinda how I see him. But like it's interesting to me that like I don't like half of the faction, but I like the faction. Like I'm invested in it. I like the idea that Jericho, like we talked about this, his character of like I made this thing. Like this thing is getting noticed because of me. Like I did this for you guys. You're welcome. And then he immediately comes in with like all this backup to kind of like ensure his spot. Like I I really like. That storyline, and I like the potential it has. And his promo last night was excellent. I hope he finally put We the People to bed once and for all. So good. Fire. Like, oh, speaking of, speaking of the shirt, because it's, wor- it's worth commenting on, do you guys know Pro Wrestling Tees crashed for hours last night? The minute, yep. they, the minute they mentioned it was on there, for hours, the site was crashed. Yeah, yeah I saw it this morning. That, that's crazy. I mean, that's literally people didn't even know what it looked like. The, like the interest was just to go see what it looked like. They didn't show the shirt. They didn't right. show the logo. They said there's a shirt on ProWrestlingTees.com right now. And the, the website crashed. Yeah, that's that's huge. Good news for them. Uh, yeah. So, what do you what guys? Was the question again that you, that you initially asked, Bash? Oh, it wasn't a question. I, I I was just saying how interesting it is that I don't like the guys in the faction. Okay. Like, or at least two of the guys in the faction, but I really like the faction. I just think it's funny that I like them as a whole, but I don't like all the individual parts of it. But I think there's some some promise there, and if you let Jericho go out there and be Jericho like he was last night, I think you can get a lot of mileage out of him. Like, I think everyone who likes this stuff loved hearing that promo. They loved him taking shots at WWE. They loved him being like a little bit more unfiltered. And it just goes to show again like why this guy is the greatest of all time. He yeah. can be silly, he can be funny, he can be slapstick, but he can be like evil and serious, vindictive. And he's he's like good no matter what he does. Uh Alo, how do you feel though like 2 weeks in? How do you feel about the product that AEW is presenting? It's different. And that's all and that's all we've that's all we asked for. And it's not too many familiar faces. You know, they got Jericho out there, but Jericho's out there with three guys that we're not familiar with, even though LAX was formerly in Impact Wrestling. You guys talked about Sammy Guevara. I agree, like him sticking his tongue out, that's not him. You know, <clears throat> he's, he should be more of a pretty boy, but they don't do that. It's but, like he um, doesn't know what to do with himself. And yeah, some of that and, might be just like age. Like if you watch that HBK, like I don't know. I don't remember what promotion it was, but like a promo he did with Janetti back in like 1986 or 87, mm-hmm. you would have not foreseen that he would have grown up to be HBK. So like this kid is young, like he obviously has time to figure it out and maybe them putting him in this prominent position will help him get there faster. But yeah, it's it just like to me, I feel like this, he's out there and he just doesn't even know what to do with himself. So he just sticks his tongue out. It's like almost like a nervous tick. Yeah. And uh, I, and um, I actually like, like, like what they did with Hag- Hager here. Like granted, like Jericho made him a, try to make him a big deal. 
and stuff saying he's a former world champion he's a dangerous mma fighter on the planet and you might laugh at this thing this is a joke but the fact that he said nothing and just stood there was perfect no you know what he reminded <laughs> me of a little bit he reminded me of rick rude with dx with dx yeah yeah so like so like like that like he, you think he was him, going for dx with the green shirt maybe maybe he was thinking he, the same thing the fact that he was selling hager as just a fighter that that was fine and nothing else so, so I did appreciate that. But, yeah, like for the most part, they've been different. And for the first month or so, everything to us is brand new. Like that was my first time seeing Private Party, even though, even though they've been in House of Glory. I've never seen, been in House of Glory. And the right, the right team won, you know. And I, I do remember your question now. It was how long do you think Jericho is going to hold the AEW title mm. for? I think he'll hold it until they, they know who the right guy is. And – I think MJF will end up turning on Cody at full gear. I, I do think that's the proper storytelling for that until you decide who is your guy going to be that you're going to make to beat Jericho. But, yeah, private party. So we just know it's, it's important to know that the elite isn't going to – they're not going to put themselves over at this. And I think that's major. That's major. And you're making guys. So private party getting that victory. I thought that was great. The gin and juice is my new favorite move in wrestling. <laughs> I, th- I thought they were a lot of fun. Um you know, Darby Allen and um, what's the guy he faced? Havoc. Jimmy Havoc. Havoc. Jimmy Havoc, you know, you need you still need some more investment in that because you, you don't know a lot about these guys. This is where I talked about those backstage segments or stuff that can come in handy because sometimes these guys just don't come out here and they, they might have important matches and be doing important things, but the matches feel flat because you don't know anything much about them. So we got so we got a look the first few months to actually learn more about these guys, but I think it's really been good, and I, I love the response Real got this week when she tagged with Britt Baker. I did like, I did enjoy that. Yeah, like clearly, that <coughs> it was either Jr. Or, or one of the guys on commentary mentioned like she had like a star making performance last week, winning the title, and it, it it's true. Like like you said, the reaction she got from that crowd, like that match was not forgotten. A, a match that a lot a, a lot of us watching the first couple minutes of were like, oh, this is terrible. Like, she really made something out of it. The two of them made something out of it. And I think it, it was cool to see that carry over. So, Alo, overall, you are satisfied with what you're getting the first two weeks. Yes. And, Eck, I know you have been, like, fully on board with AEW. You've been fully on board with the Elite. You probably had even higher expectations than me and Alo did coming into it. You feel the same way? Like you're you're satisfied? You feel like you got what you expected? Yeah, I mean, I'm happy with week two. Um, I, I have not watched NXT. I know the result of their first match. Um, you know, there was a lot of people chirping last week on NXT being better than week one of AEW. I'm not hearing that week two. I'm not hearing that NXT was better than AEW. I enjoyed the show. Um, you know, Aaron said the better team won, and it, so it was a – it, it was a showing that the elite's not going to put themselves over with the private party young bucks match. I not only enjoyed the hell out of the match prep set in the group text a few hours ago, how that match was really good. It was very fun. I really enjoyed the match and I was surprised. I, I thought the bucks were going to put themselves over. I didn't know if they'd win the whole tournament, but I thought round one, they were at least going to go over and that, uh, that's what I love about pro wrestling. Uh, I don't care if it's an indie show. I don't care if it's uh, one of these smaller big companies, if it's WWE, if it's WrestleMania, anywhere in between. Surprise me, and I'm always for it. 
So week two of AEW, the opening match, you surprised me with the first round tournament match and this tag title thing. Uh, I'm all for it. I thought it was great. Um, the unfortunate fort- uh, fortunate thing with this, with these lower card guys, if you have obsessed with the product AEW and the elite have put out with being the elite and the road to series is on YouTube. You kind of have a little background like me, like private party, Darby Allen, Jimmy Havoc, unless we're talking about the matches they've had in AEW, I, I don't n- know any of their work. So me who I've watched all this stuff for YouTube, I know a little bit about it, but when I got people popping in to see, episode two or episode one on replay. And then I got to explain this stuff. It would help if we do get 30 second vignettes before the match or something like not just Jimmy Havoc talking during the entrance. So I'm, I guess 30 second vignette might not be the right word, but we, something explain these guys a little better. We do need that. Or at least the commentators to plug, Hey, go on YouTube and you can check our channel. There's more to know about these guys. Right. Like that's one of the things I know Cody has talked about a lot is like, like the roots of wrestling and going back a little bit to old school wrestling and those promos and backstage segments and interviews, like that's a big part of old school wrestling. Like that's how you sold the match. Like you're, you're right that it, it is something they need to, to focus on a little more. But yeah, as someone who is rooting for these guys has said, like, I would love to see them one day, like defeat WWE. I don't, foresee that happening especially not anytime soon yeah i i had like that little bit of concern of they're not going to appeal to a broad audience but i'm someone who has not enjoyed watching wrestling live for a long time and the two weeks i've tuned in to their show i enjoyed it from start to finish uh so Kudos to them. They've done a good job. They've delivered what they said. They've given us an alternative. They've given us a different presentation. It feels important. It feels exciting. It's fun to watch. It's something that when you watch it, you don't feel like everybody watching it is criticizing it, and it's it's, it's a nice change. And another thing I love about them, and it's perfect, and it really gives that like 18-year-old like feel where – WWE Raw or Monday nights is three hours long, and I know we all feel like come hour one, 1.5, or the two-hour mark, like, if you're watching it live, you haven't done it for a while, Patrick, but when you're watching it live, it's so bad, cringeworthy, and you really reevaluate, like, why am I watching this? Like, why am I watching this live? Like, I'm, I'm, I can't fast-forward through the commercials, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, and again, I know it's only two weeks. I know it's the excitement of it being new. I'm happy AEW is two hours long because it's a mix of two things. One, I wouldn't be mad if it was longer because if it was three hours, like I I could tolerate more, but two hours is absolutely perfect. I hope it stays two hours forever because the end of the second hour, I want more. And Oh my goodness. I have to wait seven days to get more. Yeah. People undervalue that feeling of like where you anticipate seeing the next thing and like that time waiting like makes you appreciate it more when you get to see it. Um, yeah, I, I think they've done a really good job. And there's another point that I kind of wanted to make. About, oh, this is the point I wanted to make. I kind of like that I have a little less knowledge. Like I kind of like that I'm like learning a lot of 
the guys and girls in AEW and I'm like learning who some of these people are, it's fun to not have this. Because even like when I start to get down on watching WWE, I go back to like when I hated it during this time period or that time period. Like there's all the baggage of being a WWE fan that you've accumulated over the years. This is like you're just learning this new thing. You're starting a new relationship with AEW. You don't have that negative like negative past to go back on. And I think that's like refreshing to just get to like watch something start and grow from the beginning. Um, any other wrestling stuff that you guys want to talk about? Yeah, you um, just chimed in on old school feels and promos and stuff like that. Did you get to watch any of NWA Power? No, week. I did not. Well, you should. If you want to watch anything old school with old school, or you want to watch something new with old school feel, that's it. Uh, what is it available on? YouTube. YouTube. Okay. Tuesdays and... at 6.05. Aaron, what is it, hour long or more? I think it was an hour. To me, that's like a good sweet spot. An yeah. hour. It's, it's really cool. I mean, at a... Extremely old school feel. The promos were good. The people I didn't know that I expected very little from was really good. I'm going to give you a spoiler. There's a question in our group text you may not have seen, so I'm not going to quote it exactly right. But I'll just put this over for you. Um, Eddie Kingston delivers fire on it. Of, of course. Just just, just this, and it's, uh, it's, it's worth you watching the whole hour. If, if you just get the three minutes of Eddie Kingston, you'll be like, wow, that hour is well spent. Well, you know uh, it's really you know good. it's hard. It's it's a good way to sell me with Eddie Kingston, one of one of my favorites. Um, I'm sure they they rec- pre-recorded multiple weeks up front, so there's the spoiler we all know about that it isn't shown on uh, week one. But week one's main event is Tim Storm versus Nick Aldis for, for the the world championship, and I think that's the perfect one. It's huge that you get a world championship match on their first episode. And it's literally the two world champions that brought NWA back to, back to the dance. I was going to so, say, they just brought it full circle. Like that's what started they, the whole thing. They brought it for uh, full circle. And like I just critiqued um, AEW for, they did a great job at, they brought clips from the first like two or three, 10 pounds of gold for Tim storm. The episodes where all this first was getting into the, and they, they did a quick three minute segment or probably, I don't know, 50 minutes of content and squeeze a nice three minute. And it could be a lot less than three minutes, but they did this little vignette package before the match. The match was really good. The match, the, the, the match was good. The match delivered. You, you would have thought, I don't know, a change of either heel or face in the mm-hmm. match. And they, there was a very respectful a- admiration at the end, and it's um, it's really good. The promo is really good, and the interview afterwards makes you want to watch next week. So, I'll put it over, and not not just that. It, you know, I'm putting it over. Aaron, I believe you watched it, right? I skimmed through it. Did you like what you saw? Yeah, yeah. For for something for um for some old school to come out in high quality, I really did enjoy. It. Even the uh, the post match presser spot i i did enjoy that it says like it got it has the old school feel to it um hopefully they get hopefully it becomes a bit bigger but i did enjoy the look of it pash if aaron up top putting it over doesn't do it if i don't do it 
um, a guy that's a little busy. He, he, he's a little, he does some work on the side, uh, Dwayne Johnson. He mm-hmm. even put it over on Twitter on how good it was. I actually did see that. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm definitely, it's something that I'm definitely interested to see because as you know, I've talked a lot about my belief and faith in the creativity of Billy Corgan. Uh, and I know he's involved in it. I will will be forever a fan of Nick Aldis for being a friend of the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast. And, yeah, I, I, I like that they're trying. Look, and again, it, it's somebody trying to do something different. I believe, like, the term I've seen thrown around was, like, studio wrestling. And yeah. I, I kind of like the idea of that. So, yeah, it's something I'll definitely check out and, and give it a chance. Um, Alo. So what about Total Divas this week? Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched it before we started recording. Excellent. Uh, I don't know who is writing for Ronda Rousey and Travis Federline, <laughs> but the two of them on Total Divas is just as bad as anything on Raw. <laughs> Every time they're on the screen, it's like an effort not to just fast forward it. The way she loves him is just like, wow. Like, she loves that man. I, I don't know why. I don't know. She, she'd be better off with Turtle. <laughs> <laughs> All he had to do is last 60 seconds. And my guess is Turtle has won a, a fight more recently than... Oh my goodness. He's died in power, bro. (laughs) Yeah, I uh they're awful, but a couple things. One, I really loved like seeing Titus almost MC Natty's mom's birthday party. Thought that was great. Uh this episode actually made me wish I had been rooting more for Natty all these years. Like definitely made me feel like I've taken her for granted, and I think the average wrestling fan has taken Natty for granted all these years for, like, how good she's been for the role she has played and, like, bringing other people along. The fact that she can go in there with anyone and have a good match. I think Natty is very underappreciated. I don't believe any of us mentioned Natty on our underrated lists. I don't think we did. If if anyone did, I don't remember, but I think she's definitely underappreciated. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't think any any of us did. Yeah, I didn't even watch the episode, and I know you're. That's probably. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about at all, but I'm. I know I take her for granted. Yeah, like so. Basically, it's a lot of like in the aftermath of her losing her dad, and stuff is going on with her at WWE where she's not a part of the the women the first women's tag team championship match. At this point, she has like they have nothing for her to do at WrestleMania, and she feels like like she doesn't have a place anymore. She said, and I was like, "Oh, that sucks," because like you should always have a place. And I just I just felt like yeah, you you just haven't been appreciated. Like people have taken for granted the role that you've played in this company, and like how good you've been for how long. Just made me feel bad. Like I was like, "Oh, I kind of regret that I was not a bigger." Supporter of hers all this time. Uh, Nia Jax is an asshole. (laughs) Like, I thought maybe the first week was an aberration, but clearly it was not. I don't have anything really else to say about her. Ayla, I don't know if you have anything to add about Nia. 
No, I'm done with her. That's his girl. You don't see her butt. I'm done with her. <laughs> uh, and I'm glad I never started. I'm done with her. Now, Charlie, my god, gorilla. <laughs> and how oh, good. Wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, quick sidebar before I forget, because I'm so bad with these interviewers' names. Um, which one got fired a couple months ago? You cut out. Dasha Fuentes? Dasha. Um, I think she was at the NWA thing. Oh, really? Was she? Because she was yeah, at um, AEW a couple times. Was she? She wasn't there for any of the TV stuff this past the past two weeks, was she? I I, I don't I, I didn't see her, but I know at uh I think she was at All Out for sure. I, I do I'm know pretty, she got fixed. I just at All Out. I'm pretty sure she was at the NWA thing. I just, I'm just so bad. I mix all their names up, and I tried looking for her IG um, to see if that was correct, but I believe I saw her on that. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I like Dasha. I. Got to meet her at the Performance Center. She was a very nice person, a very sweet person, was very helpful in helping me prepare for my interview with Hugo Knox. So I'm glad that she's getting work still in wrestling if that's what she wants. Same. And I love the idea, like, I'm happy. Like, I love the idea of any and everyone showing up in AEW. But really, I mean, if you can get a WWE name, whether it's, um, you know, an NXT referee or someone that does dot-com interviews. If you can get them in something smaller like NWA or like a house of hardcore, I think that's great. That's really cool. Obviously, the two big shark tanks to go swimming in right now is AEW or WWE. But, you know, you get these people that are known in the business only in WWE, and they're, like, not in-ring performers, and you can get them on these smaller things. I'm here for it. Yeah, me me too. Um, The last thing I'll mention from Total Divas I thought that the storyline between Carmella and Corey Graves was handled excellently. It was. Carmella, you know, distraught through the whole thing. First, like, taking that first step to say she's seeing someone who doesn't want to say who, then admits who it is, then they jump right into the whole controversy with Graves' ex-wife saying she destroyed their family. And my God, how hilarious is exasperated Corey Graves? <laughs> I don't know why you do that. I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> so I, I, I had nothing to do with it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I, I, there's nothing to do with that. I don't know. I thought that was excellent. I thought, and again, I, I don't know how much of that was a real conversation. I don't know how much of that was them staging it for the camera, but I thought it was hysterical. I could not stop laughing at Corey yeah, just was, beside himself. Uh, I, I, I laughed so hard. I was like, oh, my God, this is so good. And then they even gave us the tease of, like, the, the Nikki Bella story coming full circle with Carmella. Yeah, at the end, when, when, when Nia lied, lied on her. So... I have not ever watched Total Divas before, at least not like sitting down and watching seasons of it. It seems to me like like Carmella is the star of Total Divas right now. She's in yeah, the center of everything. Because the Bellas are gone, so they're just, on, they're just on as producers. Carmella has the feud with Nia Jax. She has the drama with Corey Graves, and now she has this story with Nikki Bella. She like the whole thing is revolving. To me, she is like the center of everything. She's like she, she, she's in three angles. It, it, look at the writing. She is F A B U L O U S. 
She's in three angles. Amazing. So WWE can't handle Raw, SmackDown, and Hell in a Cell, but Carmella can can juggle these three storylines, <laughs> carrying Total Divas on her back, and the twenty four seven title, and the twenty four seven title. Yeah. It, so we, I think I asked either last week or the week before to everyone if you could only pick two nights to to invest in wrestling, which would they be? And I think you guys all said uh, Mondays and Wednesdays. I was the only one who went a different route. I said Mondays and Friday or Wednesdays and Fridays because I want to see AEW and I want to see SmackDown on Fox. I have already changed to Tuesdays and Wednesdays because I want to watch AEW, of course, but my secondary, my supplementary wrestling program from now on is going to be Total Divas. <laughs> I'll is, rock with you on that, but you know I said it's because it's 6.05. <laughs> I do know that, but I, I definitely find Total Divas infinitely more entertaining than three hours of Raw or two hours of SmackDown. I don't got cable, so I don't know where to watch that. So on. good. So good. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I've enjoyed the two episodes I watched so far, uh, and I'm really, uh, really curious to see where, where the storylines go. I, I mean, is Sony Deville ever going to be cleared to wrestle again? We don't. We just have no way to know. <laughs> That's the other funny thing is all the wrestling stuff like has already played out. Like most of the stuff, we just kind of already yeah. know the ending of it. But yeah, I- I'm starting to get a soft spot for her. Yeah, they they've done a good job of presenting her better than better than Raw or SmackDown have presented her. I'll tell you that. The writing, the writing is excellent. Yeah, on this show, it it really is. It's better than anything else they're writing. Um, so AEW defeats NXT again. Hell in a Cell, to me, was kind of a disaster. And NXT, this is the other thing I'll say, I think we're about to get Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley, and I will tune in for that if that is something we get in the next couple weeks. You like Rhea Ripley? I do, yeah. I've been a fan of her since her first... Uh, yeah, I think, I think I actually was the only one that liked her uh, during the, the Mae Young Classic. Yeah, I, I think I just saw, like... They will. They will like her. She's like super tall. She's big. She's strong. I, yeah, I think that. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been a fan of her since since I saw her in in the Mayon Classic. Uh, Alo, do we have any questions this week? Yes, we got a question from Prep. He asks, with all the combat sports crossover, who in pro wrestling would you like to see crossover to combat sports? Take it first. Yeah. Um, this may be just because they don't properly use him on WWE. And I like to think he's actually a tough guy. I, you know what? I, I'm giving it to my first initial thought is Cesaro. Uh, but secondly, I think Alistair Black. Two good choices. I mean, one is pound for pound, maybe the strongest guy in the company. And the other one okay, is, Cole. yeah. And the other guy is just, uh, a badass. So good answer. Um, Mine, any anyone signed by WWE that I could see cross over to combat sports? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with William Goldberg <laughs> because he got portrayed as this monster that could defeat anyone in less than two minutes. I would like to see him go in there for real and see what happens when he's in there with a, a real tough guy. Honestly, the, I'd like to see him fight Matt Riddle because Matt Riddle would beat the brakes off of his old ass. Did you see that clip? I did. And so good. You know what my favorite part about that clip is? 
I know I sent you guys the video of him telling that story on like watch along or whatever of his meeting with Goldberg. And I love that he was not exaggerating. He was not making it up. Like it really happened the way he said that it happened. Cause you know, some guys might embellish and say, I said this to him. I said that to him. I kept calling him bro. And he said, I'm not your bro. Like it really played out the way Matt Riddle told the story on watch along. It was nice and calm too. Like, I'm not your bro. Yeah. Like we're going to talk. Yeah. We're going to talk anytime, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, I really I really enjoyed it. And Matt Riddle, yes, I believe would KO or submit William Goldberg as fast as he beat Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series two or three years ago, whenever the hell that was. <laughs> so yeah, William Goldberg, because I want to see him actually get his ass kicked for real. Alo, who would you choose? Uh I want to see R Truth knock out Mike Jackson. <laughs> That's good. That is really good. I was trying to think of an angle to say our truth, and then Goldberg popped into my mind, and I was like, I have to just say that because I'd like to see him actually get beat up. Um, excellent choices all around. Uh, any final thoughts from anyone before we close it out? Nope, I'm good. What is I'm the uh, what's the big hook for next week's AEW? It is Jericho against uh, Darby Allen. Yeah, for the title. Should be interesting. I, I'll enjoy seeing Jericho in there with like that style of wrestler to be something a little different. Um, oh, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. Did you see it? You saw the unset. You watched the whole show? Yeah. I'm for this match, but tell me Darby Allen didn't throw the worst punches you've ever seen in your life. At the stomach, yes. Yeah, oh, not good. Oh, my God. Valentina could punch a stuffed animal better than what I just saw. <laughs> Maybe Teen gets the first intergender AEW championship match. What belt is she again? Tiger Green. Tiger Green. She's got a shot in my book. I've seen she some of those block, kicks. She could block those fists. I've seen some of those kicks and strikes. She's here for a super kick party. I would like to hear Jr. call her a great striker. <laughs> it, it, uh, he's dead to me if he calls uh, Darby Allen a great striker. Uh, I don't think you have to worry about that. Would be my guess. Uh, Alo, would you like to move some merch? Yes. What a maneuver on net to embrace the match. All right. So for Josh Prepagina, who was in and out for Act Two, yeah, for the recipient of the hot tag, Act Two Fly, Eric Trembicki. For Mr. Wednesday Night Live, we call him Alo. The ladies call him Balo, Aaron Lloyd. I am Ron Pashery Jr., and we will see you next week. Hop on the top rope, by the land with his elbow. Got him now, put him down right now, hit him with the palm handle. Tuning up the band, y'all don't understand. Fist of Superman, it's a summer slam. Here we go again, fans mocking man. Man, I hate my ball. Shut the Vince McMahon, it ain't shake the land off the cell. Fans love it, ain't hard to tell. Talking madness, awesome. Well, what I'm cooking, man, y'all off the smell.